Matthew chapter 6. We're continue what we uh, were partway through last time. We're looking at uh, being delivered from evil uh, as we're walking through the Lord's Prayer, how the evil one works against the Christian, and we've moved through the various ways that the devil uh, attacks believers. And now we're on to the fact that the devil is a, is a liar. Uh, we're looking at his uh, deceptions, why his deceptions are so dangerous, uh, and so we've looked at the various things that Satan does. He talks in half-truths. He makes the, the good guy look like the bad guy. He makes good things look like bad things. He makes the bad guy look like the good guy. He makes bad things look like uh, good things. And then last week we saw, so that's the way that Satan lies. In Scripture we see all of those examples, not just the way Satan lies. Why are his lies so dangerous? What is so dangerous about the lies of the evil one? Why is it something that we need uh, to fear. And last week we started looking at why they're so dangerous. So let's stand in the honor of reading the word of our God uh, and let's start in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we'll go uh, uh, through the Lord's Prayer 9 through 13. Jesus says, Pray then like this Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, that is our desire today that we would understand uh, this prayer that you have taught us more, that we would understand why your son taught us this prayer, why of all things, this is what he would teach us and then teach his disciples again this prayer. Uh, Father, we might know it more and know you more. And so, Father, today I pray that you would deliver us from evil. I pray that we would understand why we should pray that and we would understand what you're doing when you do deliver us from the evil one. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so so what is so bad about uh, Satan's deceptions? What are so bad? Uh, what is so bad about the deceptions of uh, of the evil one? Why is that so dangerous? Last week we saw it's dangerous because one, he wants us to join him. Satan, remember, doesn't just want to lie to us. He wants to lie with us. He wants us to join in uh, on the lies. We, we saw that uh, the, the lies of Satan are dangerous because they uh, move us away from God. Uh, The intention of them is to move us away from the Lord, take us even away from pure and sincere devotion to Christ. We saw uh, last week as well that the deceptions of Satan are dangerous because they turn victors into captors. That we can have won, Jesus can have nailed our debt to the cross, uh, where we do indeed bear it no more, and yet Satan can convince us to become captive again to the idea that it's about our work and what we do rather than resting in Christ uh, and in his work. So it can get us back into, you know, thinking it's about do this, do this, do this uh, in order to be saved and sort of trusting in Christ. And because you trust in Christ, then you do this and you do this and you do this. Uh, But that's not bad enough. Uh, Like we said, there was more to go. That's why we had to stop last week because the Bible talks about more ways that the lies of Satan are dangerous, more ways that reasons that we need to pray, Father, deliver us from evil because it's really bad. Satan's lies are very, very dangerous to us uh, as Christians. 
Uh, and so we, we looked at those dangers, but let's add to them now, not just does Satan want us to join him, not just does he want to move our hearts away from God, not only are deceptions dangerous uh, because they turn victors into captors, uh, they're dangerous as well because it hardens us to God. The desire of Satan in deception, these deceptions, they harden us to God. Look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. And I'm going to make you do it in your Bibles today. I didn't, I didn't do it on the screen. So this is really just to test the foundry kids to see how quickly they can turn uh, to, their, to their passages. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 says, But exhort one another every day. As long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So here we see the apostle warn us that one of the dangers of deception, uh, one of the deceptions in sin, the deceitfulness of it, is that it hardens us. Here he's writing to these Hebrew believers and says, hey, don't let any of your fellowship be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So that deceit is meant to, or the danger of that deceit is that it will harden us. uh, But then the question becomes, harden us to what? Because it just says that it may not harden us. Well, look back at verse 12. We'll get back at verse 12 uh, for the context here. He says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So here we see uh, this danger. Uh, beware lest any of you have this heart that would lead you away uh, from uh, fall, lead you to fall away from apostatize uh, from the living God. Verse 13. So exhort one another so you're not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. When sin deceives and again uh, sin is not a sentient being, so sin is not, doing, is not doing anything. Sin has no mind. So when Satan brings his lies, when Satan brings his temptations, they are attempts to deceive us, but for what purpose? What is the goal of the sin that Satan brings to us? What is the intention behind that? In his deceit, in the deceit all wrapped up, in sin, in temptation, all of that purpose is to lead us away from God. Now, we saw this already in 2 Corinthians 11, where we saw that Satan uses his cunning, his all-working, to lead us away from a pure uh, and undefiled devotion to Christ, a pure and sincere devotion to Christ. But he's not done. See, Satan's not just happy in getting you to stop following God. He wants to lead you away from God. So he's not just happy for you to quit pursuing the good. He wants to lead you away from the good. He's not just trying to to stop your devotion toward Christ. He's trying to harden you to the things of God. The end game with deception is a hardness toward God. The word there uh, for hardness is one that means to be hard. Uh, also carries the idea of being dry. It's, it's the word like for a rock. You can think, for example, Ezekiel 36, where he talks about hearts of stone, hard-heartedness, uh, being turned instead to a heart of flesh. That's the idea wrapped in the, that we wouldn't be like a, like a rock toward uh toward god that that our hearts wouldn't be hardened uh toward him to be un to be unmoved by him the the desire of of deceit of satan's lies is to re-stone your heart 
He wants to restone your heart. He wants your heart that is soft toward the things of God. He wants to harden it up toward God. He wants to callous you toward God. So Satan's lies will lead us from God. And then, and this is the danger. So we've got pure, pure devotion to Christ. His, his lies will lead us away from that, lead us away from devotion to Christ, and then harden us so that we don't return to the Lord. So he gets our eyes off of Christ and then hardens us to the Lord. So it leads us away and then dries out the source of our return to come back to him. Sin's deceptions don't just trick us into bad choices. Uh, They want to harden us to God in general. They just want us to be hard to the things of God. We need to be afraid of Satan's lies because not only do they stop us from doing the good, they, not only do they stop you from being devoted to Christ, like we saw, they will harden your heart toward him. They just won't stop your devotion to him. They will harden your heart toward him. And that's what's so great about this prayer. Because what this prayer is doing here is it is crying out to God to save you to himself. When we're crying, deliver us from evil, we're crying, God, save me Not just from myself, but save me to yourself. Let not the deceit of Satan stop me from being purely and sincerely devoted to Christ. Let not the deceit of sin harden me towards you. So God, if if Satan's lies are trying to harden me towards you, if Satan's lies want to lead me away from you, from pure and sincere devotion, then Lord, deliver me from evil and deliver me to you. Keep me to yourself. For your heavenly father to, to keep you, to guard your heart and your affections toward him. And we're saying, God, deliver us from evil. We're saying, God, make sure that, my, that sin is not able to harden my heart one ounce towards you. Protect my affections. Guard my affections towards you. Have you ever felt yourself growing Hard toward God. Maybe, maybe you're upset at God. Maybe you're upset at what God has brought into your life and you, you, you have feelings of what is God doing? Who is he? I mean, those are signs of a, of a hardness, a callousness toward the Lord. And it's born off of a lie, right? We know who God is. We know what he's done for us. If we were able to look at it, you know, unbiasedly, purely and sincerely, we would know, who am I to question you? We would be like Job at the end and say, I can't, I can't believe I said anything. I can't believe I said anything. But maybe your heart's not upset at God. Maybe your heart's just dry toward him lately. Maybe you've just been unmoved by the things of God. Maybe there's just not a great joy toward him. Maybe if you're looking at your Christian life, you would say it's just dry. Well, sin and its deceptions are the source of your desert. They are the source of any dryness because there's nothing in this world that God has done to you or that God is that would cause you to be dry. The only reason you would be dry and unmoved, at least one of the things that the Bible warns us about, is that the deceitfulness of sin will harden you toward the things of God will dry you and dry up your affections toward him. 
So if you think back to, oh, I remember when I was, oh, I remember when I was in college and I was really excited for the Lord. I remember, I remember when I first had kids, I was really excited to raise them up in the Lord. And then, and then they started growing. And then I was just looking at them and going, ah, uh, and, and all of this stuff that I was really excited about. And, and now I look at my life and it's just kind of like, yeah. I look at my devotion to you, Lord, and it's like, yeah. It's really easy to start blaming other stuff, right? It's really easy to be like, well, if I had this in my life or if this was going on or if that, instead we need to realize the only reason my heart would be dry right now and not be, what does Jesus say he's going to make in us? A spring of water that is overflowing and flows out to others. Instead, I am dry. Why? That has to be the danger of the deceitfulness of sin. To harden you to the things you've got to dry you out. Because surely if you looked at your life and if you honestly evaluated your life, you'd say, my life is overflowing with blessing. Overflowing. There's no way I can be dry. There's no way way I could be dry. Look at all of the blessing that God has lavished upon me. I mean, we could stop with the blessing of just being called the child of God, right? That's what John tells us. Just being called his child, just recognizing that would be more blessing so that my life would never be dry. So if there's a dryness in your affections toward the Lord, If there is a callousness, if there's just an aloofness to the things of God, beware the dangerous deceptions of sin and of the evil one. Because the desire of sin is to harden us, to dry us out to the things of God. Know that Satan's lies are a source of doubt and a source of dryness toward God. If you're looking for every, if you're ever, if you're in, if you're in a situation where you just feel dry, your affections feel dry, your life feels dry, you're not, realize where that's coming. It's coming from deceit. And this is what Satan will do because he'll get you to look for all the other reasons that you feel dry. He'll start you to blame what everyone else is doing in your life, all the things you don't have, what your husband's not doing, what your, what your family's not doing, what your friends aren't doing, what this thing's not doing, what that thing's not doing. He'll give you all the reasons that you, you're, you're dry right now. Instead of getting to the real thing, which is you've been deceived. You have been lied to and you have bought it and it is drying your affections toward God. And what normally happens is when it dries your affections toward the Lord, it starts to dry your affections to everyone else too. Be careful because sin will deceive us and harden us to the things of the Lord. Uh, And again, notice, notice this is, look at, look at, look at what he says here in, in verse 13. This is, no, this is no extreme example here. This is no extreme. This isn't a once in a lifetime threat because what does he say? What does the apostle say? He says, exhort one another every day of this. So if you're like, oh my goodness, I'm sitting here and you're going, that's me. He's talking about me. I've grown dry. I hope everybody doesn't know. I hope no one realizes that I'm the source of dryness here. Uh, recognize, this is a common temptation. So this isn't just something, one that you need to look at and say, I can't believe that I allowed myself to go dry. Like this is a common threat to believers. Something that, that the apostle says here, you need to protect each other from every single day. In other words, this is an every day threat for us which is again why we're asking God to deliver us from evil is part of an everyday prayer you know you're thinking why does Jesus attach deliver us from evil in part of a prayer we're praying for our bread every day and all these uh, why do we need to ask to be delivered from evil every day well here is an evil 
that every day is seeking to get you, that every day is seeking to pull away your devotion to Christ, your devotion to the Lord, and to harden your heart toward him. So what do you need to do? The the apostle says, you've got to exhort one another every day because of the dangers of the deceitfulness of sin and the hardening that they bring with them. This is an everyday threat. Every day of your life, you and those in the church with you will face the threat of sin and of Satan's deceit, their lies. And the desire of those lies is to harden us to God. It's an everyday threat. Every day of your life, Christian, you must be aware that Satan will work to deceive you. He'll work to deceive you and ultimately through that deceit to harden you to the things of God, to dry out your affections towards him, to turn your religious affections into a dry affection. And And notice as well, in this, this, this fight is, is so odious and so dangerous that the apostles don't just warn us to keep watch on ourselves. Is that what he says? He, they, don't say, they don't say, hey, you guys keep watch on yourself to make sure that you, this doesn't happen to you. That's not what he says at all. The apostle commands us to exhort our brothers and sisters because this deceit isn't just stalking you. This deceit is every day stalking every single one of us. So he says that we should take care. The, the word there literally is look out. Look out. Look out that none of you, that none of your brothers and sisters fall prey to this everyday threat. Deceit is so dangerous to the body. Of Christ, not just to you, but dangerous to all of us, that you have an obligation to watch out for one another to make sure that each of you is not deceived. You are to watch out to make sure, not just that you're not deceived, you're commanded, of course, to watch out that you're not deceived, but to be so on the lookout that you're making sure your brothers and sisters aren't deceived, that every day you are making sure you're on the lookout for your brother. This is is no check your heart sort of moment here. This is a you need to be checking each other's hearts. You need to be looking and being concerned and praying and encouraging each other's hearts. Because the deceitfulness of sin isn't just stalking you. It's stalking the people that you love. It's stalking the people that are a part of your body. And if, and if, and if Satan can harden them toward the things of God, then that malediction will work its way to you as well. It will be like a gangrenous infection. And if he can begin there, he can spread it to all of us. So we must be on the lookout Every day, but not just to us, but be on the lookout for one another. That we would not be deceived and thus hardened to the things of God. And it's sad. One, because we're so lax to do this. And two, because the church has almost told us we shouldn't do this. Like the church has almost encouraged us that, hey, you just worry about you and your heart. You don't, that's their business. Let them handle their thing. 
When here we've got the apostle saying, hey, you make sure you be on the lookout for the heart of your brother and sister. And Proverbs has told us that if you are wise, you can discern even the depths of the heart of the man. Like, we know, we know our brothers and sisters and we can see when they're being deceived. We can see even when their hearts are growing hard toward the things of God. We can see it. And the truth is many times we have seen it and we have said nothing. And we, because of the deceit of the world, have told us that that is love. And that again, that Satan doesn't mind that. He loves that. Satan's like, yeah, that's love. That's my kind of love. Where you do not encourage one another. You are not exhorting one another. We are so lax, so lax to pull each other out of our own funks. We'll grow hard to the things of God. We'll, we'll have it. We'll see each other try and we will not pull each other out. We will think either that's your responsibility or, or we'll say, surely I can't do that. I mean, as men, men, we don't do this for our wives. We just let our wives sit in the funk and we just pretend like we don't see it and don't hear it. Because, you know, eventually, you know, just you can tune out the continual dripping of rain. But when our wives are in a funk, we don't say, hey, get out of it. You sound, you sound like you're complaining against the Lord a lot. Like, this sounds like a problem. This sounds like a hardness in your heart. And, that, and it's not just something to go, hey, sweetie, it'll get better. It's to say, look, Satan has deceived you. And he will harden you to the things of God. And that will infect, infect you and infect me and infect our family and infect our church. I mean, we don't do it. We don't do that for our wives. Women, we don't do it to our friends. Kids, you don't, you don't do it for one another. When one of your friends seems aloof to the things of God, you're not encouraging them, hey, you know, how's your relationship with the Lord? Why, are you, why, are you, why have you been so down lately? Why when you're at church do you look like this? We don't do that. And this, this, this again is why things like gossip and grumbling is so hated by the Lord. Because it's the exact opposite of what we're supposed to be doing for one another. We're we're not, because what are we supposed to do? He says, he says, what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be encouraging one another. Be on the lookout. So you, you might encourage one another. And, and the truth is we're not, we're not, if we're not encouraging, often we're just dumping we're just dumping. And we try to, when we're feeling dry, the thing we like to do is drump, dump our dryness on everybody else. I just feel dry. And so I'm supposed to be salt in this world. And so I will dry you out like salt. Uh, that's the only salt I'm going to be is just be like, hey, does your life stink? Because mine does. Let me tell you. Blah. Like, okay, well, now I realize mine's kind of dry too. And we'll, and, and we'll call it, Things like uh, just being real, right? We'll call it things like being real or, or being honest or open with each other. But, but the Bible doesn't call it that. That's not what the Bible calls it. And the Bible never tells you to do this. We're using the Bible to do an unbiblical thing, which is even worse. I mean, it's tantamount to blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's a whole nother story. So we're either the one dumping when we shouldn't be dumping. We're supposed to be encouraging. We're supposed to be salt. We're supposed to be salt of the earth, not salt to the wound. 
And we just, we just, we just, we just, either you're the dumper or the other thing that you do and that we're guilty of doing is you go, but I'm not the dumper. You know what you are? You're the listener. You're the receiver. You're the one who will sit and, and listen to the person talk about that all that is wrong in their life or their marriage or their church. And instead of encouraging them, like you're supposed to do here, or calling them out of the lie. Your friend isn't a lie. And if they're, if they're doing this and saying this and, and grumbling and complaining, then you can know this person who seems hardened toward the things of God, who seems dried out, they've believed a lie. And instead of incur- and pulling their eyes out of the lie, you just listen. Instead of encouraging them and calling them out of that, you just nod. You say, oh, yeah, it must be rough. Oh, oh, sweetie, oh. Or you've listened and you say, all right, now it's my turn to dump. Uh, and you just give it right back. Every Christian is commanded to be a cardiologist, to keep watch on our friend's hearts encouraging them so they don't believe the lie not listening to their lies and not lying to them if you if you are grumbling to your friends if you if you take the hardness of your heart and spill it on your friends you are trying to get them to believe a lie you're a lie spreader and if you listen to your friend grumble and complain and not talk once about how they are lavished with blessings then you're a lie enabler. You're allowing your friend to believe the lie and that lie will harden their hearts to their very God and you will watch it happen. And shame on you. Shame on you for every conversation that you heard from your friend that was a dry, grumbling, complaining, hardness toward God and you just sat and listened because you were commanded to look and encourage. To be on the lookout, not just for our own hearts. This is a self, we, we, we hear that and we'll go, Ugh, it seems like he's not very happy. But we'll go, but I am. <laughs> and we'll skip away, excited that, man, Lord, you really, really seem to have blessed me now because his family does seem bad. Instead of recognizing when my friend was telling me this, the Lord put me in his life to hear him spew out the lie that he's believing. He put me here to see it. And I, got to, I didn't have to search into his heart. I got to hear it out of his own mouth. Like this is a grand blessing of God putting the body together to hear these things and be able to diagnose things are wrong with my friend and his heart, not just toward his wife, but toward his God. And I did nothing. I just listened. The Bible told me to encourage. The Bible told me to exhort, to parakaleo, to call out, to call alongside them. To help. To help. And if the world has lied to you and deceived you that you can't do that or shouldn't do that, then Satan's able to self-propagate the lie and to spread the hardness to keep you from stopping it when you're the very bulwark that God has put in place to stop the hardness in your friend's life, to stop the hardness in the heart of your wife, to stop the hardness in the heart of your friends. And you didn't do it. And you're supposed to do it every day. Think about that. You're supposed to be doing it every day. And most of us have trouble remembering if we've done it once. But every day we're to be on the lookout for the hearts of our friends and every day encouraging them, lest they be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 
That's the danger of sin's deceit. And the danger of the lie that will get us to do nothing when in their lives we might be the everything that they're supposed to need. Deceit is so dangerous. It's so dangerous that it stalks us all, stalks all of us every day. It's coming for you. It is coming for us. So that we need to constantly be on the watch, constantly calling out to one another, constantly helping one another to make sure that Satan does not deceive even one of us. And to err, err on the side of, err on the side of how, you know, of, of the heart detect say, how are things between you and the Lord? Like you're, you're saying this, are, are you okay? No, 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 I didn't mean, oh, I didn't mean it like that. Well, then fine. Okay, good. Well, then let's continue on. But it was close enough for me to go, ooh. It's an everyday, everyday danger, which is why, what do we need to do? We need to pray, Father, deliver us from evil. Deliver us, not deliver me. And I'm seeing my friend being dragged down. Well, I'm glad it's not me. Deliver us from the evil one. That's your prayer and that's your job. That's your job. When you decided to start joining this body and being with us, you took on the responsibility of the hearts of all of us here. We didn't just take on the responsibility of making your heart feel good about you. You took on the responsibility of every single person in here being on the lookout. You're put in their lives to encourage them, exhort them, lest they fall prey to the deceitfulness of sin. So why should we be afraid of Satan's lies? He wants us to join us, wants to stop our devotion, wants to recapture us, wants to make our hearts hard or dry toward the things of God. But even then, it's not done. Even then, that's not all that Scripture says, that the danger of deceit and lying. The last thing we're going to see is that the desire of deception is to destroy. The, the, the end goal for lying, the end goals for deception is destruction. Now, deception desires to destroy, seeks to kill you. We all know Romans chapter 7, verse 11. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me. And through it, killed me. So sin, in deceiving, ends up bringing our, our, our destruction. The deceptive snares have one goal that is our death. Deception leads to death. Just as with all sin, it leads to death. But the Bible warns us that on the journey to death, sin always leads us down the pathway of deception. Sin doesn't just march, sin doesn't march us down a road marked death, right? It just marches down a road that says, hey, death, she pretends to be for our good. And yet, not only is sin not for our good, she is going to destroy us. And Proverbs has a great way of painting the deceptively destructive nature of, of sin. Look at Proverbs chapter 7, verse 21. Proverbs chapter 7, uh, we're going to read 21 through 27. Listen to how it describes the, the deceptiveness here. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once he follows her, as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. And now, O sons, listen to me, be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths, for many a victim has she laid low. And all, are, all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way of Sheol. 
going down to the chambers of death. So sin, sin persuades us with the lie, with the promises of delight. It persuades us, we look, it persuades us with, with smooth talk. And so we follow her. But where is she leading us? She's leading us to slaughter and we don't even know it. We just, we just blindly follow her. She's leading us to slaughter. We don't realize that's what she's doing until an arrow pierces our liver. And so we rush to follow her. We rush to follow sin. But it's a snare. It's a lie. It's a snare. Who uses a snare? Satan, right? It's a lie. It's a snare to trap us. And what will that snare cost us? He does not know that it will cost him his life. And we'll join the throng of those who've fallen prey to the same lies since the beginning. And again, I'm, I'm not talking, this passage isn't, I mean, isn't talking about loss of salvation here. Because that's what we'll do. We'll talk about death and destruction. We'll just totally spiritualize them every time we read about them. We'll make these verses mean nothing to us because, oh, I'm saved. So I've already not followed sin down the path that leads out. I've already realized it. But that's not what Proverbs is talking about here. I mean, sin, sin may not be able to touch your eternity, but that doesn't mean it, it can't deal out consequences for your today and your tomorrow and your next day and for your kids and for your kids' kids. Just because sin can't touch your eternity doesn't mean it won't try to destroy every day from here on out for generation after generation to try and bring destruction to you and your kin. Do not think that just because Satan can't have your soul, he won't come after your life. How about Proverbs chapter 9? Same thing, Proverbs chapter 9, 13 through 18. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat at the high places of the town. Calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So folly is loud, folly is up, foolishness is loud, but it makes you believe. It makes you believe it. It deceives you. It lies to you to your own. It, 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 it lies to you with this promise of pleasure. But in the end, it's all death. In the end, it's like, you can imagine like if she had a shop open up, hey, come, come drink some of my stolen water, come eat some of my secret bread. It's right here in the shop, but you don't know that inside her shop are a bunch of dead people. Just a bunch of dead folks. When we sin, it seems great. It seems pleasurable. But it is a party with the damned. Every lie seeks to bring that sort of destruction into your life. The consequences that will keep even a man like Moses from being able to enter the promised land. I mean, there can be grave consequences for your sin. The woman folly will convince you to do things that will destroy you. That will literally kill you. And get you to believe that you're on the path of life when you're doing it. The path of pleasure. 
That's how dangerous deception is. It will lie to you, but its desire is to destroy you. Why should we fear Satan's deceptions? Why should we cry out to be delivered from the evil one? Why are they so dangerous? Because he doesn't just want to lie to us. He wants to lie with us. That we're not safe from Satan's lies, even in the midst of pure and sincere devotion to Christ. Even then he he seeks us. Even then he comes after us. They're strong enough to convince us we've lost. Even when we, and, and take us captive, even after Christ has won and set us free. That's how strong they are. That's how dangerous they are. We can be taken captive in the shadow of the cross. Even there. They will dry us up like stones to the things of God. They will kill us. They will destroy us. And they're good enough to do it to convince us to walk to our own deaths. Satan's lies will put a smile on your face and a knife in your back. So what do we do? What do we do then? That's how dangerous they are. What do we do? Well, we armor up. And we pray. We remember the truth, like we looked at a few weeks ago. We remember the truth. But we're ever aware of how easily we can be led astray. So we put on armor. We're ready for the battle. We know what's coming. We don't just fix our eyes. We're ready for the war. We know that Satan is trying to deceive us and not just me trying to deceive us. And I am obligated to armor up for my sake and for the sake of my brothers and sisters. So we armor up and we remember we have one hope. I love, I love the armor that we do because we have one hope. What is our one hope? Even as we put on armor, the first words out of our mouths are, Father, deliver us from evil. Just that prayer. I mean, just that prayer has so many antidotes in it to the lies of Satan. Our Father, that God is our Father. How could I ever doubt him? God, you are my father, our father. Just even remembering that will clear away the cobwebs of so much doubt that Satan would put before our eyes. Deliver us. We may be lost, but we know that he can see through every lie. We may be deceived, but he never is. We may be deceived even as we're praying that prayer, but he's not. He's not. We may not be able to know how our friends are deceived. We may not be able to know what lies they're buying into and not even voice it. They haven't even even spewed up to where they're coming out of their mouths yet, but they're boiling deep in their hearts. They just got enough self-control not to tell us yet. But he does. He's able to deliver them. He's able to deliver you. Deliver us from the evil one. When we say that, we're reminded where all of these lies come from. We know the source of our doubts. We're reminded of the source of our temptations. They're not from the Father. They're not even from reality. They're from the evil one and they are lies. They are untruths. This prayer is worship on our lips. It is an antidote to Satan's lies and it is worship on our lips. It is the source of our comfort and the surety of our salvation. Are Satan's lies frightening? Yes. Yes. If you read those passages and you went, that doesn't seem so bad. 
You need to read them again. They're meant to frighten you. Because we are, we are never safe from them. They are a threat to us every single day. A threat to you and a threat to your friends. A threat that we must face together. But our deliverance is greater. Is always greater. So how do we worship in a world of deceit? How do we worship when our world is buying into lies and feeding lies to us and we're nibbling at it sometimes and believing it as hardening us, hardening us to the things of God, is pulling us away from pure and sincere devotion. We've got all these dangers of lies and a world of lies. How do we worship in the midst of that? We pray. Father, deliver us from the evil one. Let's do that right now. Let's just take a moment And ask the Lord just right now, Father, and and as you say it, remember that's who God is. Not just is in general to the world as creator of all, but he is the father of you, adopting you as his child. Taking you from the kingdom of darkness and putting you in the kingdom of light. He has been, he has flooded your life with good. So much that it should be able to drown out any whispers of deception. Any cunning of the evil one, drowned by the blessings of your father, even that blessing alone would be enough to quench any fire that Satan would set in your heart. Deliver. Deliver us. Pray right now for yourself to be delivered from any temptation, from yourself to be delivered from deceit and how dangerous it is. And and, and even as you're praying that, maybe he's revealing to you deceits that you've bought into, lies that you've bought into or, or that you're starting to buy into. And pray it also for your friends. Deliver us. Think about friends that maybe you've even heard the dryness of their hearts toward the things of God and you didn't say anything. Now's the first chance to say something very important is to go to their God. And ask him to deliver them. Ask him to deliver them from the evil that you, that you have seen is there. You did nothing. You didn't do what you're supposed to do. That's fine. You're, you're at a point now to recognize it. To take this conviction of the spirit and do what you should have done to their faces long ago. Maybe you're the one who was dry. And you need to say, Father, it's me. Deliver me. Pray for your brothers and sisters. If the Lord just lays someone on your heart in this church, just pray for them. Even if you're like, well, I bet something surely is nothing wrong with them. It may not be. It may just be an encouragement to continue to pray for them. To think about them. To think about someone other than yourself. To be convicted and moved and and swayed to to sweat drops of blood on their behalf in prayer. Instead of just all the ways we'll sweat on our behalf in prayer. Deliver us from the evil one. He is a liar, church. He is ever a liar. He's a good one. He is a cunning good one. And his barbs may have gotten into you at various times. But he is ever and always evil. And he ever and always wants to destroy you. To pull you away from Christ. To harden you to the things of God. To lead you to death. To destroy your life. Remember who he is. And as you remember who your God is. Father, that is our prayer today. Deliver us from the evil one. It is in Christ's name we can pray this. And it's in Christ's name that we are sure you will answer.
that you have answered, you are answering, and you will answer this prayer. Amen.